Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers. Welcome to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. This is episode number 103. I am in sunny, not so sunny Los Angeles right now. In northern Los Angeles, I think, near Eagle Rock. I don't really know where I am. I'm in Los Angeles, though. And This episode was recorded in San Diego. My guest for this episode is Alimaleh McFarlane. Back for the second time. Alimaleh is the Bellator flyweight champion, inaugural flyweight champion, right? Yeah, I think she's the only flyweight champ they've had. Undefeated, badass, and she's back on the TV TV podcast. The first time I had her on was... Mm, a year-ish ago when I was still in New York and I had her on remotely. And then this past December, I went to Oahu, Hawaii, to see her defend her title against Valerie Letourneau. And defend it, she did, winning in the third round. It was crazy exciting. The place was electric. And Alima uh, was gracious enough to have me at the pre-fight and the post-fight luau. I asked her in this episode why you're nice to me. I still don't get it, but it's amazing, and I'm happy to have her as a friend. In this episode, we talk about mostly travel, mostly non-fighting stuff, I think. Maybe like 60-40 non-fighting to fighting stuff. Uh, She likes to travel a lot in between fights and in between fight camps, and I dig that, and so that's what we talked about. You're going to hear a song after this. I've got a couple of Hawaiian songs because she is Hawaiian. And the song that you're about to hear after this intro is Hawaiian Kickboxer by Moke Boy. I think it's Moke, right? M-O-K-E? Like Poke? There's no like accent mark though. It can't be Moke Boy, right? No, I think Moke. Yeah, song's Hawaiian Kickboxer, so... You know, there's no song called Hawaiian MMA Fighter. So this is is close enough. So that's what's going to play for you. Uh, Before we get to that song, if you are financially able to support the TV TV podcast, you can do so on Patreon. That is patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter. You already know the deal, right? It's a subscription-based service. You can give monthly one dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, five thousand dollars. If you have like a crazy estate and you got no one to give your will to, and you want to just give it to a young, handsome, adventurous world traveler, you can gift me your fortune. I will I'll, come on. You know I will put it to good use. Look at look at look at how I'm living life right now. Who's living better than I am? Hmm. Hmm. So I will use that money to hike volcanoes and to interview people who are hiking the volcanoes next to me, and then I'll put that out into the world. So if you're, if you're looking, like you just have, I mean, really everyone's got just like tons of, you know, disposable cash, huh? Why don't you gift that my way? Go to patreon.com slash the voyages of Tim Vetter, and I will spend your money. Okay. Here comes the song Hawaiian Kickboxer and then my conversation with Alimaleh McFarlane. What's this one called? Fight, Travel, Repeat. Episode 103 
of the TV TV podcast starts now. The strong and the brave gathered in a circle, making ready for the session. They train their bodies and their minds to think as one. That's how you make Hawaiian kickboxer. Oh, Hawaiian kickboxer. What happened to you today? So I was on my way to my massage appointment and I knew that I had low fuel, you know, the, the gas light came on and everything, but I'm one of those, uh, I, I like to push, push the limits. Again, I like to live life on the edge. So I kept going <laughs> yeah. and I took the exit for my masseuse and then my car died. So I was right on the exit. Which Your car is, ran out of fuel. Yes. Well, yeah, my car ran out of fuel. Yeah. So right on the exit, it's like, Super sketchy, um, you know. There's barely any any uh, side road to pull over on, so I'm just right on the edge of the street or right on the edge of the freeway. And so I call, I start calling everybody. I can't get a hold of AAA for some reason. It's just being weird. Um, and I'm also freezing. I'm because I'm not in my car. You know, I don't. I heard that you're not supposed to stay in your car. Uh, in case someone hits yeah. it. So yeah. I get out of the car. I'm standing way up the road now and I'm just freezing and all I have is a towel. And I, so yeah, so I end up calling my emergency contact and he comes and saves me. And this is not the first time that I've run out of gas. So someone came with a, like a gas carton? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was my emergency contact, Nick. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, rescued me. It's like surprisingly cold here too. I sort of just figured like San Diego 70 degrees all year long. Mm-hmm. Uh, is this normal or is this like, this is winter? This is winter. Oh. Yeah. And for some, I wear sweats everywhere. Seriously, everywhere mm. I wear sweats. And today, and I wear jackets everywhere. And today, I don't know what it was, but I'm like, I'm not going to wear anything. I'm going to wear a tank top and shorts. And of course, that happened. You survived though. Yeah. It was, yes. <laughs> I made it. So I really like, I really want to sort of like avoid the like typical sort of like, I don't know, like the typical sort of like MMA questions, like, you know, like the how has your life changed type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I sort of want to, uh, in a way, recap the weekend, maybe also like from my perspective. Um, it was really interesting. Like I put this like on uh, on Instagram. Like I've been to some really cool sporting events. Um, I'm from New York, and like we always had Yankees playoff tickets, which was like always insane. Especially like the late '90s was just chaos. The, those playoff games. I saw Muay Thai fights in Bangkok at Raja Demern, I think is how you say it, and that was insane. I've never seen. I've never seen so much support for one person. Like I would mm-hmm. even think. You know who's like the biggest star is like is Conor McGregor, right? Mm-hmm. I still think it's like a divided arena, but mm-hmm. it it was so amazing because it was like an entire island of support. It, it, I'm jumping around here, but like Hawaii to me almost feels like something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a United States state, obviously, but I don't know. Culturally, it was a cool sort of transition to. It was almost like I wasn't home yet when I went to Hawaii. And it felt almost like you had a nation behind you. Yeah. So um, you hit the nail on the head pretty much. Like basically what I believe is the difference between um, a place like Hawaii and other like crazy sporting events is that, and and in, in my opinion, is that the people of Hawaii genuinely love they love us. Mm. It's genuine aloha. It's not just like bandwagon. It, it's not bandwagon support. It's not, um, you know, fake support or just to be part of the crowd. You know, it's it's genuine aloha and love and support. And so I think that's what makes the difference. And that's why you can feel, um, you can feel it in the air. Like you could feel it in the arena that night. Yeah, and I mean it was it was it was freaking electric. I don't know. I that was such a cool weekend. Like I was thinking, like some of the, some of these thoughts are weird that I wrote down, but like, uh, like why are you so nice to me? Right? So weird. Okay, so <laughs> I was actually just thinking because I feel like people need to know the background of how you ended up at my fight. Okay. Um, Okay, so if you guys haven't listened to the first episode that I did on Tim's podcast, I agree to do it. Like, I do get contacted a lot. And probably one of my biggest pet peeves are people who do contact me via social media um, because I'm like, you guys should know the drill. Like, you go through Bellator PR. Um, Don't think you're special and can, like, fucking message me like that. But for some reason, I just really like Tim's intro. (laughs) And he was, uh, he just seemed super awesome. And he said that he had uh, interviewed Jenny Fry, who I'm a really big fan of. She's also um, a badass female MMA fighter, really smart, really cool. So I'm a huge fan of Jen. So I was like, okay, 
Okay, props for that one. And then the second thing he told me was that he was actually a teacher um, and was going to go on sabbatical. And um, yeah, like I know that teachers don't really get paid that much. (laughs) I myself wanted to be a teacher. That's what I was going to school for. And the fact that he was uh, involved in all the, you know, uh, these projects and doing all this cool stuff on a teacher's salary, um, I thought was really cool. And I was like, okay, I like this guy. I'm going to do his podcast. And then after we did the podcast, uh, I was like, okay, that was awesome. Amazing guy. I'm going to follow his travels and, uh, you know, throughout, he went to the Philippines and Indonesia. Yep. Philippines, and Indonesia, all you, over, but those were like yeah, two the of the best. Ones. Yeah. You were asking me about New Zealand at one point too. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I have to get there at some point. I want to do Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. So, so then, um, one week he messaged me and this was all as I was preparing for Bellator Hawaii. And he was like, Hey, so there might be a chance I can actually like fly into Hawaii during that week. I'm like, dude, if you come, like, you're going to be with my family. Like, you got to come hang out with us, which is also really funny because I normally don't talk to anybody while I'm in camp. Like, I'm, but there are, there's like probably about 10 to 20 people that I will actually respond to if they message me, you know? And so Tim happened to be one of them. (laughs) I was like, fucking awesome. Dude, come to my family luau, please. And, uh, so yeah, it was it was great. He showed up. He was like the token white boy. Yeah, didn't know anybody, but I put him on I put him on the table with some other randoms, and then uh, yeah, he made some big connections. <laughs> some other randoms. It was yeah. Nick. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah, Nick. Yeah, that random guy. Yeah. And then um, yeah, it was super funny. My neighbor, who I haven't seen for years, came over, and he like you guys went off. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Um, It was just like, I don't know. It was just, you have a really good vibe and a good energy to you. And I love what you're doing. And so I was just like, you're part of the Ohana now. Well, I mean, (laughs) thank you. That's really nice of you. And like the whole thing has been, has been really cool. Um, I I brought this up. I just, the last episode that's published was with Ari Shafir. And like, I don't know if I articulated this so well, but there are, I'm I'm used to no, you know, and like it makes sense, and especially with with what you were saying, like you, a lot of the times I'm talking to, it's not even for fighters, but like managers and assistants and PR and stuff like that, um, and so like I'm cool with no, and like mm-hmm. I I like when people communicate because I've had, and, and there's two fighters I'll I'll tell you to tell you offline, but like I've had situations where like everything is set up. I'm in town for you, and like you ghost me hard. Yeah. And, and that sucks so bad. Um, mm-hmm. But like I'm used to no. And so just, I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry I said no on Wednesday. We had it set up. No, 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 That's not what I mean. I, I mean like I never hear from yeah. them again. And yeah. I'm like in some town that I just arranged. Yeah. No, but uh, yeah, I'm appreciative of this and like the friendship and, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not doing this just for the podcast. Like I think you're super cool and I want to hear your travel stories. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I So I have a question maybe like sort of from your success I try to take a little bit from from all my guests like their experience in in the different avenues that they that they work and live um sometimes there's like shitty comments on stuff and like that I get like uh no not that I get it because I wouldn't do it but I think that usually comes from like someone's own insecurities or something like that but um have you had 
throughout your time, uh, like naysayers, like people who are like, uh, oh, maybe you shouldn't take this path or don't try professional sports. Did you do? Oh yeah. 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 And I'm not even talking about like trolls, no matter what you do, there's always right. going to be trolls who are just, they just come out cause they want to see the world burn. And um, yeah. yeah. And those are the people that you were describing. Like they have their own insecurities. They really just want to get a reaction out of you. Right. So like those people I don't care about, but there are people very close to me. Exactly. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of my career, most or more specifically, like I was in a very serious relationship when I started fighting. Um, like ser- we were together for like six years. Whoa. I thought we were going to get married. Like, well, we all, everyone thought we were going to get married. He thought we were going to get married. And, um, but I started fighting and we were, uh, at that point we were actually doing a long distance relationship. And instead of me, you know, always going out to go see him, um, I would be like, Hey, sorry, I got to train this week. Or like, mm. Oh, I have a, you know, I have a fight this weekend. And so that was like, he wasn't really okay with that. Um, and neither were his parents because the parents thought that I was going to move out there with him once I finished, uh, once I finished school and everything. But I didn't. I stayed, mm. I stayed in San Diego to go to grad school. And then I started fighting and they were like, his mom was the one that was like, I don't know why you're fighting for, like, you're not, like, this isn't going to do anything. You're not going to, like, make a career out of this. Which, like, at the time, it really was just something that I was doing for fun. Mm. So, yeah, it's not as if I was telling everyone, like, no, I'm, like, I'm going to make this my career. No, it was just a hobby, but it was a hobby that I really enjoyed that I would rather have done, like, do rather than, like, go fly out to all his games. Because he was actually in the NFL, Whoa. So that's why, yeah. So like he played for the Broncos. So that's why he oh, wanted me to like this. go out to all his games and everything. He ba- he essentially wanted me to be like an NFL wife. And yeah, like stay like at home. Trophy wife. Yeah. 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 Sure, I'll be trophy wife. There you go. <laughs> but um, yeah. So it kind of like they were the biggest one, like mm. the biggest naysayers. But I don't think it was anything malicious. I think it was more they were like, "What the fuck are you doing? Like mm. you have this." amazing life that you could have with our son and like from an NFL player, you know, it's like, why are you choosing this? All right. So the reason I ask, um, is because, and it sounds like I keep throwing, I'm like, like flattering you. I'm not just, just saying this stuff because you're here, but like, uh, it's sort of like with this, with like still like really being nice to people. I saw that like, you still do like meals on wheels. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, so I'm grappling with, uh, I'm not a professional athlete, I'm not, uh-huh. but I've chosen a life path that makes some people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I, like when I first came home, like it, it got a little bit dark. Like I was feeling really sort of depressed and like people were saying all sorts of shit to me and I just felt like spite, like, oh man, I'm going to make something out of this and just like, I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. how do you stay grounded in not being like for that people or other people like middle fingers up, I'm the, you know, Bellator champ. Look, I did it. Because like, that's a shitty way to be. Yeah. And I don't want to be that way. Oh, but I'm totally, I'm like that. Oh. I, I'm totally like that. I'm not like, like low, low key. Kind low of? key. Okay. I'm like, fuck all my exes. Oh. Like, no. <laughs> so, um. You know, here and there, you, you'll see. Okay, so what you see on Instagram is what you get. Like, that's mm. who I am, you know? And so if, uh, like, occasionally I'll, I'll have a post in there that's, like, 
thank you to all my exes for like fucking me. Whatever. Uh, okay. But um, no, I mean, I, so I really like, um, this is random, I, but you brought up Meals on Wheels. Mm. And I'm like, I started doing Meals on Wheels last year uh, just because I felt like I needed to give back more. I, like I, I had this free time and I, it was actually, I was listening to a podcast and uh, it was Stuff You Should Know. And they were, they did an episode on Meals on Wheels. And I was like, you know what? I remember doing that with my mom. My mom, oh, really? like when I was a little girl, my mom would take me with her um, when she delivered for Meals on Wheels. So I was like, this would be a really cool thing to do, um, you know, while I have the time in between fights. So I signed up for it, which was hilarious because when I told my mom, she's like, you don't qualify for Meals on Wheels. I'm like, what? what? She's yeah. like, what, is this like a meal sponsor? I'm like, no, oh. mom, I'm, I'm volunteering. <laughs> and everyone's so shocked when they found out I was volunteering. One of my teammates was like, what, do you need the money or something? I'm like, how is this so hard to believe that I'm volunteering for this? Yeah. But uh, no, I just think I, like helping others makes me happy, as cliche and corny as that sounds. Like, it really is. Like, I love, I love helping others. And mm. so... Um, yeah, I started doing that and it does, it makes me happy that I am like nice to people and I'm not an asshole. I'm only, I'm probably only an asshole to my boyfriends, honestly, but mm. I feel like you need that balance in life, you know? So like everything <laughs> in my life is great. Like my fucking career is great. My family's great. I haven't, I haven't, um, you know, suffered any tragedy or trauma or anything, but my love life is shit. Mm. So I'm like, okay, that's, that's that. the balance right there, you know? Because I can't have it all. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So I guess that, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I just like, I don't know, it, do, it, it fuels me a little bit, like spite, um, but I just don't want to be shitty. Yeah. No, I, I do a lot of things out of spite, mm. but I don't necessarily make it known. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. But it like I when I that. when I did end up winning the belt, uh, it was funny. So my ex, the, the football player, I found out that the night that I won the belt, he proposed to his now wife. Whoa! So um, I was like, oh well, I hope that they also <laughs> that I won the fucking world championship. And these are the same fuckers that were saying like, yeah, never gonna be it. like when we had a really really shitty terrible breakup where like he was like saying really really cruel things mm. I mean we're, we were saying really shitty things to each other but he was like you're a fucking joke you're not a professional athlete like you're gonna Damn, get the fuck out so I'm like look at me now bitch does he still play yeah he still plays okay but it, I understand that it was from a, a very dark place in <laughs> our timeline so I don't hold anything he said back then to heart you know yeah, and you were younger huh? yeah yeah, yeah. Um, you, you're like, you're still young and still sort of maybe young in your fight career mm -hmm. in that like you don't have a lot of miles on you and that you've taken tons of damage. Um, and you know, you're not like 40 fights deep, mm -hmm. but how far into the future do you look in terms of like, I don't know, like crossover careers or like, Hey, by 35, I want to be doing this. Do you think about that at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. So actually, so I started fighting at 25. Mm. That's when I started professionally. And I figured like 30 would be a good age because, you know, fighting obviously has a shelf life. You can't do it. 30 to cap long. it. 
Yeah. So uh. I was thinking like, yeah, okay, so 30 years old would be good, especially because, you know, I went to school um, for other things. Like I right. never thought. So I was like, okay, this will just be a little chapter in my life and then move on. So I thought 30 would be when I stopped because that was around the time that I, I wanted to start having babies. Um, so I'm 28 and about to be 29 in a month. And um, I'm single as fuck and nowhere near having babies. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, uh, you know, I'm doing well in my career. And so I'm like, and actually 30 is when my, my contract with Bellator ends. Um, so what that means though, is that it's going to be up for negotiation, you know, we'll see, well, again, we'll see, you know, where I'm at. Um, and, but I'm like, the older I get, the, the more I, I am pushing that, that time frame. And, um, right now I don't have a deadline, I guess, or like, I don't, I don't have that cutoff anymore, Okay, but I ain't trying to be fighting till like I'm 40, you know? Yeah. Like I definitely want a family. And so I think like mid thirties around there would be a good time. Do you know sort of what you would do post fight career? Like in terms for, I guess for work? Yes. So I, ideally I would like to be a stay at home mom while my husband fought. Um, and like just be a boss ass bitch, make enough money where I could just Damn. not work. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just take care of the kids while dad goes and fights or something, you know? But um, I also, I can see myself being a gym owner, you know, running a gym. I could see myself actually, like, I would really enjoy doing uh, more on-camera stuff for promotions or, like, for Bellator or something. I could totally see myself commentating or something like that. Um, and I could also see myself, like, working for a nonprofit, mm. teaching, like, going back into teaching, Something like that. So I, there's a lot of different avenues that I can take. And so I'm not too concerned with what I'm going to do post You just did last week and you did commentating for jujitsu, no? Yes. Yeah. And it was a lot of fun. Was that your first time? Yeah, it was. <sighs> yeah. So I, yeah, there's, there's a lot of different options. Um, you know, I could even like go off the grid and just like live off the land and raise my kids super hippie. So I'm not super concerned with what I'm going to do. You have like, uh, you, you should take advantage of the fact though that you have like crossover appeal, you know, like, uh, I'm not trying to be weird, but like you're pretty and you Thank speak you. well on the microphone and like you have, like you're sponsored by Budweiser, no? On Anheuser-Busch, yeah. yeah. I know, but my freaking refrigerator's empty right now. I'm like, I should have, I should have hit up the branch that was, to bring me some. That was one of my favorite things about your <laughs> about your Lou. I was like, oh my god, there's a Stella truck. Like, yeah, hell yeah. yeah, it's pretty badass. Mm. Yeah, but so I do feel that I was fortunate where I kind of do have these. Um, I wouldn't call them talents, but like I was able to develop these other skills. Yeah, it's the skills. The talking yeah, is a skill. skill sets and yeah. everything. Like I was always very comfortable uh, in front of a camera. I was actually back in high school. I was one of the hosts for our TV show, Punavision. So really, yeah. So it was cool. Like I got to produce and edit edit segments and and host it and everything. So I, again, I was always very comfortable being out there. Like mm. so, media marketing stuff doesn't really phase me. I actually think it's really fun. Um, and then, yeah, luckily, I I uh, have I come from a really good 
looking family that has good <laughs> genetics. <laughs> so I'm like always very grateful for that. I don't think I'm the best looking thing in the world, but I'm like, no, I think like I, I have an appeal, you know. Some people are into like Hawaiian girls with big foreheads and everything. So. All right. So <laughs> again, like this is going down a really weird, weird path, but like, holy shit. Like when I was in Hawaii... I was like, damn, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, if, and like, I mean, not to be weird, but like every dude is just like huge and jacked. Like I was yeah. going to the 24 hour fitness near the downtown. I'm just like, there's like, this place is just full of beautiful people. Yeah. No, Hawaii is freaking beautiful and everybody's mix. Uh, I feel like you kind of are into that ethnic, uh, look a little bit. Well, that's what was so cool that, and I, and I didn't realize like how many Filipinos there were or like, mm. yeah, like half Filipinos in, in Hawaii. Oh my gosh. You're totally going to be one of those white guys that has like a, an Asian wife or a Filipino wife. I might be. Yeah. I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get off this man. Um, all right. I'm going to ask a, a couple more fight things and then I'm going to get off fighting yeah, yeah. because you've been doing lots of cool shit outside of fighting. Um, You've talked about this at length, but I'm really just really curious about um, like sort of non-traditional training methods. Like, so you've been doing the underwater stuff, which gives me like horrible anxiety. I can't, I can't watch it. Um, but it's cool to me because there's this guy. Um, oh my god, now I'm forgetting. Derek Norris, who's a baseball player, and I'm trying to get him on here. And he has been doing these like he's, he's a pitcher and he's been doing these like uh, like explosive drills and he's doing it while boxing um, and I, I guess that helps him with like arm speed mm-hmm. and it seems almost like sort of back to the naysayer thing like maybe some people were telling you like ah, this is like why the hell are you doing this this isn't gonna work yeah one hundred percent and those people are just stupid <laughs> in my opinion is the biggest thing like cardio. So, okay, well, in my opinion, the biggest thing is mental, the mental game. Because, like, dude, being underwater, okay, it's already hard enough to do these exercises just normally, right? But to be able to do them underwater without an air source, it totally is a huge mindfuck. And so everything we do under there is just you need to have a really, really strong mental fortitude for it. Um, And then aside, like, the actual physical um, the physical benefits of it is that you're basically training your body to work with less oxygen. So a lot of times when you see fighters getting tired, it's not necessarily because their cardio is shitty, but their their muscles aren't being oxygenated, you know? So their muscle endurance is a thing that's going down. It's not really their lungs. Uh-huh. Like a lot of times when I get tired, it's my fucking muscle. Like I can't lift my arms, but like my lungs feel fine. Like I'm still like, yeah, I'm good, you know? But... A lot of times it's the muscles. So you're actually, it's called CO2 tolerance because CO2 is what's building up in your body mm. when you don't have any air. Um, is it a similar idea to training at altitude because there's less oxygen up there? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. So, so yeah, a little bit, yeah. Except we don't Except have you're not going to run out yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, that's why it gives me anxiety watching that because I'm like, oh my God, like I think maybe I got 30 seconds in me before I'm dead. I don't yeah. know. See, and the crazy thing is that everybody thinks like that. Uh. But then when you actually get down and do it, you're like, oh fuck, that was not bad at all. Like everyone totally mind fucks themselves mm. um, because it's fear of the unknown, right? So of course everyone's going to be scared when they first do it. But then by like the second session, they're like freaking going down and back without breathing. Like they're able to do it everything 
So it's really cool to see the progress, like weekly progress. Everybody is, is, uh, yeah, it, it's really cool. I, I'm pretty sure you said this before and I can't remember, uh, what it was, but do you, you have like a, uh, like a personal best for like how long or personal record, or whatever, for how long you've been yeah, under? Yeah. I think the longest I held my breath underwater was two and a half minutes. Damn, but that's man. like not doing anything. That's just like sitting there. Okay. But when I'm actually working underwater, like if I'm playing the game, the tor- like the actual underwater torpedo league game where you're trying to score or something, or if we're doing like drills, I've never timed myself, but I think it's probably around like 45 seconds to a minute. Wow. But that's, that's like still crazy. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So you're gonna you're gonna stick with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like every camp I, I implement something new into either my lifestyle or my training. And so um the underwater fitness guys, they were the ones that I, I just started working with for this last fight. And I'm like, oh fuck yeah, I'm I'm keeping them. I've never seen it. Like I've seen, you know, there were like those old videos of like BJ Penn like jumping out of the water. And I think like Chad Mendes could do that too, where they're like stationary in the water and they could jump out like yeah. up onto the ledge. But I, I haven't seen anybody do like, like, I mean, I guess other people do, but like, um, like lifting weights and playing the torpedo game and stuff. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. This is like the first of its kind pretty much. Huh. And they're, they adopt a lot of, um, training strategies from the military because these are Marine Raiders oh. specialists. There's some big boys I saw there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's really cool. They um, they are developed this entire program oh. for water confidence and, and elite athletes. Okay. I'm going to transition that to, to confidence, confidence. Um, again, because just because like this is not a world that I know much about, but I try to glean things from people doing things that I don't do. Mm-hmm. How much self-doubt is there? So, like, you're fighting Valerie Letourneau and, like, all the things, like, that you're at home aside and, like, your family's there. Like, put all that stuff aside. Just, like, you against the opponent. Is it? Is there a mindset, like, I'm going in here, like, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. Uh, I've trained hard. I'm confident in myself. Or is there, like, I would imagine that there has to be, like, nagging self-doubt. All the time. Uh. It's constant. Um, okay. And I've been grappling with this my entire career, self-confidence, uh, because I, it's not like this was what I wanted to do. I didn't step into that gym and be like, I want to fight. I want to become a world champion. I stepped in cause I was like, I need to lose weight. Like I just want to do something for fun. Right. So the fact that I was able to, you know, get to this level, all kind of on accident. We call we called me the accidental champ. I've heard you say that, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, I always have doubts. I'm like, dude, do I even belong here? Um, and especially this last fight against Valerie, she was like my first step up in competition. Mm. She was, uh, and what I mean by that, not that the, my other opponents weren't any good. They were, but we were at the same level. Like we all had the same experience, um, pretty much like the same number of fights. We were all, um, you know, in the game for the, a similar amount of time. It's a fair statement. She fought for a title in the UFC. Like, yeah, it yeah, d- didn't so make she, sense. But Valerie is a freaking veteran. Yeah, exactly. Like 20 fights or 16 fights, whatever, and has fought. Yeah, she fought in the UFC for a title. Mm-hmm. So she was definitely that next level opponent that I was just like, do I even belong here? Um, mm. Am I ready for this? Also, my dog farts all the time. That so, was a fart. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was a okay. fart. <laughs> oh, great. He's been ripping ass this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
but yeah, so I always, I had self doubts like the entire time, all the way up until I got in the cage. And that's Whoa. normally what happens. Like I get, I'm very, very nervous. Um, up until, not even up until I get in the cage, up until the freaking bell rings. Mm. And then I'm just like, fuck, well, there's no turning back. Like I have to do this. That's when, when the fight actually starts, that's when it's like, all right, you know, I kind of, I don't necessarily like transcend to a different level, but I'm just like, I feel as if that's when my muscle memory takes over. That's when all of those hours preparing for the fight, like gives me confidence. Mm. Damn. Self-doubt's constant. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it seems, uh, if you're, if you're about to go in and fight someone, it just seems, um. I mean, I, this makes me sound like a wimp or something. It's just that that seems like a scary prospect. It's so, it's terrifying. <laughs> but I always tell people, it's actually not that bad when you get in there because your adrenaline is going so much mm. that you actually don't feel a lot of the hits. Really? I don't even remember getting punched in a lot of my fights until I rewatch it. I'm like, oh shit, like she got me there. Um, the like Probably the worst pain you feel is the day after. That's uh, when you. That's when you can like feel everything. You've never had to go to the hospital, have you? No. Okay. Yeah. So I'm actually lucky that I'm not one of those. Like I've yeah. never been in a crazy ass brawl, but yeah, I've had fights where the next morning I woke up and I couldn't move, and I'm just like, "Mom, like, I didn't <laughs> know what was going on." And so, it's a uh, yeah. You'd be surprised just how much adrenaline masks everything. You were talking about, uh, and then I'll switch after this, but you were talking about in like the most recent, um, I forget what it was for, but like Bellator had a presser and you were talking about like body image and confidence mm-hmm. um, and sort of like the post, post-camp, post oh, post-fight yeah, yeah, yeah. life versus being in camp. Yeah. Um, is that like like a self-confidence aesthetic thing or is that just like, well, I'm a professional athlete so I always need to be like close to fighting weight? For me, it's an aesthetic thing. Um, I'm sure other people have, like other fighters are more paranoid about the actual weight aspect, Hmm. but I am more paranoid about like, yeah, how I look. I'm just like, fuck, I'm fat now. Yeah. Um, And you know, I mean, everybody has their insecurities Hmm. and I want to show people that like, we do too, you know, like oh. we're normal people. We have the same, we go through the same shit. Like I'm super embarrassed after I'm done with a fight and I'm just like, oh, like I haven't worked out for a long time. I'm really fat. Um, but yeah. You know what though? Like, um, and I like that you said this, like, I, I'm not trying to compare myself to a fighter, but mm-hmm. just to like, it's my podcast, motherfucker. <laughs> um, I went through like a, I don't know. I listen to a lot of podcasts and like every, everyone nowadays is like a freaking fitness and like health expert uh-huh. and freaking mm-hmm. like life coach or whatever. It's a very, very superficial society we live in now, especially with social media. Yeah. yeah. And so I was doing the whole like no sugar, no carbs, no any of that stuff thing for a while. And it got to the point where it was even like holidays would come and like I wouldn't eat fucking cake. Mm-hmm. Right. And I won't mention, uh, but th- the person I was talking about before we were recording mm-hmm is like totally not like that. And like is a, an adult who like loves sour straws, like candy. And, um, and I like just from traveling, like I know like if somebody offers you a beer, you freaking take it, you know, like yeah. or if somebody offers you a meal, even if it's not like you freaking take it. And like yeah. you can, you can, 
yeah, we all want to be healthy and live long, and but you, you can miss out on a whole lot of cool stuff. Yes. And so I kind of like that. I think you were talking about that in that presser, like, you know, it's also my life and like post camp, I want to live my life. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And I also think too that it's like, what's the word? Not endearing, but I guess it's like cool when you do see someone like me, I totally have a belly. I have a beer belly. Like that's the first thing that gains, the last thing that loses. Abs are hard, man. I always, yeah, I do not have abs. And I'm just like, I feel like it's okay to see somebody like me with that. You know, it's like I'm not the perfect Instagram model or like my pictures aren't fake like this is fucking me guys you you're know? an undefeated champion of yeah, professional sport. Like, you don't need abs to be a world champion guys <laughs> and uh i mean while it would be great if i did have them i'll fucking rock them i'm like no it's just not the reality of it and it's okay to to look different and to be different um but being in like the public eye like there's still like something i guess that oh uh, yeah so I totally, like yesterday I went and got full laser hair, a uh, full body laser hair removal. Mm. Like now I can actually afford it. Something I've always wanted to do. It's just expensive as fuck. So like now I'm like, yeah, I can afford it. But it's like. Is that supposed to like last a long time or something? Yeah. Oh. I mean, it's great. I don't have to shave my legs, but yeah, it's just, it's just things like that. And, um, and then I'm also thinking about my hair. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, is my hairline receding? Because it always gets fucking ripped out in practice. Should I be looking oh, into like transplants? <laughs> like, Seriously? There's so much, yeah. Wow. And, it, and it does, I guess, yeah, like being in the public eye kind of. So, okay, so an example of that is um, next week, I'm actually going to be on Family Feud. What? Um, yeah. With your, your crazy family? No, actually with Bellator. But it would be so much oh, better if it was with my family. Man. I think this is my step in the door to be like, hey, you guys should have the McFarlands on there. Is it like all Bellator champs or something? So I don't, I, I think it's it's fighters versus WWE wrestlers. Get the fuck out yeah. of here. But it's not going to air until June. We're just filming it next Oh, week. that's so cool. Yeah. And but it's hilarious because it's with Steve Harvey, right? Yeah. And Steve Harvey had my dad on his show. That's right. So I'm gonna be like, hey, do you remember my dad? Like, I think you should bring our family on. <laughs> give give a tiny recap of why that was. I know oh, that yeah, yeah. you've exhausted this, but just in case people don't no, know, not at all. Uh, super crazy story about my dad. He did the ancestry.com and all the DNA tests because he was. He never knew who his father was growing up. So we're like, all right, dad, we're going to get you this as a Christmas present. Let's try find your dad. Turns out he ended up finding a brother, a half brother. And when he figures out who it is, it's his best friend growing up since like the sixth grade. So crazy. Yeah. They went to school together. They played football together. They were at each other's weddings. Like one of his best friends turns out to be his actual brother. Um, and it turns out that my it was at, they're related through the maternal side. So my grandma had like a couple secret babies during the war. <laughs> yeah. So that's why. Yeah. Damn grandma. So, yeah. Damn grandma. Um, and then the cool thing we also found out who his biological father was and met the four brothers on that side, and they all come to my fights now. It's great. How did Steve Harvey get a wind of that, or the producers, or whoever? Oh, it went viral. It exploded. Oh. Yeah. It uh, because we had actually announced it to the family at my belt party after I won the fight. Oh, okay. And the news stations were there because of my belt party, but I asked them, like, hey, guys, we're going to actually, like, do a family announcement. Is it cool? Like, I think this story is really cool. Can you stick around? 
They're like, okay. And they did. And it freaking exploded. It was like, screw Lima's championship. (laughs) Like, this is the real story. (laughs) Your family's cool, though. Yeah, yeah. And so fucking Steve, they were on Steve Harvey show. They were on like CNN, CBS. It was crazy. They're more, my dad's more famous than I am. Well, now you're about to be on Steve Harvey. (laughs) Wow, man. So you don't know who else is like on your team? No, no. Okay. Oh, so anyway, my point of that story was that I heard that the Nikki Bella twins were were like going to be on the WWE team or whatever. And I was just thinking to myself, well, fuck, they probably have like a whole glam team to get them done. Like, what are they going to be wearing? Like, oh my God, like what am I going to wear? So I'm kind of having anxiety about it. And I'm just like... I need to go get laser hair removal. I need like fucking Botox. And they're, not gonna, like, they're not going to see your legs though. I know. I'm just like, God damn it, what am I going to wear? Botox. Those guys are my hair and makeup. Oh man. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely get anxieties about that with being on camera. Oh, that's so fun though. That's going to be cool. Yeah, it'll be fun. All right. So um, one of the reasons I initially wanted to have you on is because it was the same thing with Jin, actually. And I really want to meet Jin and Doug. So Jin and Doug, if you're listening, yeah. I want to meet you in Texas. Um, I think they're actually in Australia, in Australia right now. Yeah. yeah. So cool. Um, but obviously, like, all the, all of the good you were doing outside of sport, but also, like, travels and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so let's get to some of that because you've been doing some... You have some... to talk about it because you're a travel podcast. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, let's start with uh, Cuba. Cuba. And my first question about it is, um, did you, did you still have to like prove that you're either going for like education or work or something like that? So no, okay. I mean, there's pointers for the, so Cuba doesn't care. Cuba yeah. doesn't give a shit. It's the U S that will like give you trouble. Oh. Um, apparent that's what I heard. Okay. So I didn't even have a visa when I showed up. Really? Yeah. I didn't have a visa. And then when I was trying to go through their customs, then they're like, where's your visa? I was like, Oh fuck, I don't have one. They're like, Oh, just go to that lady back there. She'll give you one. So she just did tourist, um, tourist visa. And then, um, and then what else? Um, I, I saw on like a U.S website that as an American, you're supposed to, you're not allowed to go to these certain places because they were like supporting the revolution. Oh, so okay. like military affiliated places, like yeah. certain hotels you're not allowed to stay at if you're an wow. American, um, stuff like that. So there's still like a little bit of restrictions, but I stayed at, at an Airbnb and I booked everything through Airbnb. And what also may have helped me when it came to customs was that I actually flew out of Tijuana. Um, because oh, I'm here in San Diego yeah, yeah. and anytime I travel to Central or South America, I fly out of Tijuana cause it's way cheaper. So I found like a good cheap flight. Damn, that's good to know actually. Yeah. Yeah. Out of Tijuana, layover in Mexico city, then straight to Havana. But everyone else flies from Florida. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. All the Americans that I did see in Cuba, they were like, oh yeah, we just came from Florida. So... Did you also do like a homestay? Because I saw that you were like really hanging with some locals. And- oh, yeah. So my Airbnb hostess was awesome, Mama Tamara. And it was really funny because when I got in, she's like, she doesn't speak any English, but she ex- explained to me that the apartment that I was going to stay at um, had electrical problems. And she's like, well, like, would it be okay if you stay with me in this apartment? And I'm just like, that's even better. I way rather stay with you, you know, like yeah. I don't know anybody here. 
And so she was basically my mom and like took me in. I partied with her for New Year. She like, you know, cooked me food all the time. So it was so, it was awesome. And um, so yeah, cruising with the locals was definitely the best. And even how you were saying, when you go somewhere and somebody gives you a meal, like you take it, you do not turn it down. So in Cuba, they have like rationed supplies there. Still, really? Oh, yeah. When Whoa. they have, like, uh, ration books that Whoa. they, like, log shit in. If you go to the restaurant, there's always something on the menu that they don't have. Uh-huh. There's actually multi- several items on the menu. Um, if you go to the grocery stores or, like, any any supermarket or whatever, it's, like, empty shelves. It's really crazy. Whoa. So, yeah, it, it's a third world country. Yeah. So, anyway, one family that I... Um, that I was with on my last couple days because they were actually an MMA gym that I went to go train at. Oh, cool. And they totally took me in too and they prepared like this Cuban feast. So, it, I mean, it was like very simple stuff like slices of meat and tomatoes and like a piece of bread. But it was very simple stuff. Uh-huh. But you could tell that they like it was like their fancy wear, you know, because they're like, oh my gosh, we have this guest in our house. And I was just like, I felt bad eating the food because I'm just like, dude, I I feel like this is your guy's last like (laughs) portions of food or rations of food and you're giving it to me. Like that's how amazingly generous all of the Cubans I met were. So it was pretty crazy. Um, and I made sure to fucking eat all that food because I'm like, yeah, I am like, not, Th- that, I'm not even hungry. But I was just like, I'll eat it. Yes, thank you. When I was in Brunei, like uh, there was a family who took me in and cooked. They first of all, like a week earlier, I met them, and they were like, "Tell us everything you want." So I was like, because it, it's very similar food to Indonesia, and so I was like, "Oh, I like this, 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 this." Came back in a week. They had they literally made everything, and these are like poor people who like lived on the water like like you know those like uh, like wooden house on stilts and like none of the kids could eat until like I was full yeah. so like purposely I didn't eat that much cuz yeah. like all these kids have to eat yeah um but yeah that's just like I mean that's one of the coolest things about travel yes it's a, definitely the human connection mm. but another really cool thing about cuba that I I really liked um so I went to go see the museum of the revolution mm. and the museo de revolution and um that was really cool because just to see history from their perspective yeah. was really nuts. And, um, you know, a part of me, uh, I mean, I, I know the history that I learned in, in schools and everything, yeah. but I was just like, dude, Cubans are fucking badass. Like Fidel Castro, them are badass for like stepping up to the Americans and being like, fuck y'all. Like, we're taking back our island. And so, I mean, obviously, I don't know, like, everything that happened. Mm. Like, was it really the CIA that did all this? Or, yeah. You know? Um, but I was just, I admired, I definitely admired, like, the heart of the Cuban revolution and, like, what they were trying to do. <laughs> See, man, this is what I like. Like, I knew I liked you. Like, <laughs> I had Ari Shafir on recently, and it's the same thing. Like, you know, he's a big guy. Like, he, uh, you know, very popular comedian and, like, still travels this way. You know, like, there's, you know, uh, maybe I sound like a dick, but, like, I'm sure nowadays in Cuba, like, you can go to a place that's more like a resort and sit on a beach and be like, yeah, I went to Cuba. 
Um, but that kind of stuff is so... I, like when I was in Vietnam, they have the American War Crimes Museum, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all like pictures of kids that were all jacked up from Agent Orange and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's like, regardless of political stance or whatever, even on, on that, I'm sure most Americans would be like, no, mm-hmm. you know, Cuba was communist and all this. But it's like, yeah, you you live in someone else's shoes for a day and you get their perspective and you feel a little bit closer to someone that's mm-hmm. living in a different place than mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mick. Sorry, my roommate just woke up. Hi, roommate. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, it was uh, really cool. It was very eye-opening. Um, and also, I went to go see a drag show out there, so that was awesome. Really? Yeah. I, need, I If I could see a drag show in like every country I go to, I totally would. Maybe this is a stereotype, but I would th- I would think that like it's more of like a macho culture, but maybe that's so you think so, right? Yeah. Um, but it's super safe out oh. there. Like I could walk alone at night on the streets. I wouldn't even get cat called or anything. Really? So the guys aren't creepy. Um, it's very very safe for tourists, and I thought the same thing too. I thought it was going to be very machismo, <laughs> but um, I mean, it's not as if they. It's not like um, they they only recently started accepting, um, you know, the the LGBT community okay. out there. Really, um, in fact, one of the the tour guide that I did the um, the drag show with, she was saying that um, you know during the revolution when they kind of had like labor camps for um, traders and you know they also put gay people in there. Whoa, yeah. So and she's like, oh, of course, but that's not going to be in our history books at all, but right. that was the reality of it. So yeah, I think it was only like recently that they, um, that they started accepting them. Um, so yeah, I thought that was cool too, that like, okay, cause I, I would not think that there would be open, open gays and drag queens in Cuba. That's sort of a cool, uh, like memory collection, a, a drag show in every country. Yeah. Okay. And then one more tip okay. about Cuba, if you ever go. So the U.S., um, you are allowed to bring back 100 cigars before you get taxed at, uh, through customs. That's a lot. Yeah, right? Yeah. But my fucking dumbass went through Mexico, and Mexico's limit is 25. <sighs> and so I didn't even think to like look at you know what, what their tobacco and alcohol requirements are. Um, so I had 75 cigars on me. Damn. <laughs> I went through fucking custom and they're like, do you have anything to declare? I was like, oh yeah, I have cigars. They tried to tax me. Okay. Their alcohol ta- or sorry, their tobacco tax is 300%. So oh, no. I paid like 250 for the cigars. They were trying to tax me over a grand. Uh, Did you like ditch them? Or? So I started crying and I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was like, fuck you guys. Like... Fine, just fucking take it. I'm not even gonna take it. And so, and then they're like, we're like, oh, like, well, you, you, why don't you just pay us this? So they made me pay 200. So I'm like, all right. It's more like a bribe. That's doable. Yeah. yeah. So you can totally, totally like haggle your, your taxes. I Make feel. sure you cry, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a nice, sweet old lady as your officer or whatever. Yeah. But you can, all, I feel like you can totally bribe them. All right. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> fly through Florida. <laughs> Let's jump to a different part of the world because I really want to do, um, I've been talking about doing this summer, like 
Barcelona, Portugal, and then Morocco. Mm-hmm. Um, you just did Portugal and Barcelona? Yes. Tell me about that. Okay. So Portugal was super rad. Ah. Um, I wish I, I actually wish that we stayed longer in Portugal uh, because we were kind of just on the go every day. And, you know, we stayed in Porto, which is the top part of Portugal. Um, we stayed there for two days. We did like a wine tour up there. And then we caught the train down to Lisbon. And honestly, Portugal is super rad. I wanted to stay like longer. We only spent like three days. Did you do Airbnb again? Airbnb in both places. Yes, yeah, sweet. dude. I would do Airbnb everywhere. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Yeah. That's and awesome. even it like booking tours mm. all through Airbnb. Their experiences. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we did that. Um, and Portugal I really liked. There was a lot of um it was very like traditional cobblestone streets, kind yeah. of everything's walking distance. Uh so that was really dope. And then Barcelona was really cool, but it's ju- it was just like every other cosmopolitan city. Um, you know, so it's like a lot of people spoke English. There really wasn't much of a stretch. It's really, it was really cool. And if you're into art, definitely go there. But like, I don't really give a shit about that. Like, I wanted to go to eat. Yeah, did you party. do like tapas and bars and yeah, stuff? Yeah, yeah. So we did a shit ton of food tours, which was fine. So yeah, like Barcelona is great. There's always shit to do. You can also, oh, we also, we were staying in Airbnbs, but then one of them we were having issues with. So we ended up like just going to get a hotel and we're just like, oh my gosh, this is so nice. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm so bougie. Uh, I just want to stay in a hotel It's now. nice once in a while. Yeah. So there's, there's a little bit of everything in Barcelona. Um, but the coolest part was by far our last night. Um, we ended up. Uh, dropping some acid and <laughs> where we sorry we allowed to talk about this on podcast oh that's up to oh, you man oh, okay. you have a career I don't uh, have a job yeah. no, that's fine. Like, so we did some uh, we did some LSD and we decided to go like one of our buddies was staying in a hostel and the hostel girl was telling us like oh you guys should go up to the bunkers I'm like, what's that she's like oh it's this really cool view of the city um, people it's like a really big party uh, you know, it's up at the top of this hill. You should go blah, 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 Saturday night. And we're just like, okay, sure, that sounds great. Uh, so it's fucking freezing. We're all on acid. And we have to catch the public transport. We have to catch the bus to this stop. She also was, like, speaking Spanish. So we're kind of like, okay, I think she said to get off on this stop. We don't know. And we're also, at one point, we started peeking on the bus. And we're just like... Oh my god, we're the crazy, we're the crazy people on the bus right now at the back of the bus. Then you start wondering, do people know? Yeah, do people yeah. tell? <laughs> and uh, and so we get off on the stop that we think she told us to get off on. And then we're just like, all right, well, where the fuck is this park? So we're looking around and then we have to ask for directions. And we ask this one guy, we're like, excuse me, like, do you know where the park is? And he's just like, uh, you mean this big ass park, like right here? <laughs> so, like, it's a whole, it's an entire mountain. And so we're like, okay, I guess this is where she said it's going to be. I guess we should start walking up. So we get to a fork in the road and if we go right, we go on this lit path that's like paved. Uh-huh. If we go left we go basically through the bushes and just like on our own path. So we're like, so you chose that. Yeah. Yeah. We, of course we went left. (laughs) And so we are literally fucking trekking up this mountainside. 
And we also, and it's super creepy because we start hearing kids' voices and like kids laughing and it's, everything's fucking dark too. And were there actually kids or this is? Yeah. So we're just like, okay. God, where the fuck are the kids' voices? And then we get to this clearing and then, yeah, we see kids and we're like, okay, is this the party? Like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, you can't really, really see the city view, but this is kind of nice. But then we're like, oh, let's just keep walking. So by the time, okay, we are, again, we're hiking at this point. We are all in a full sweat and we're just like, we're only be guided by the moonlight. It was a full moon. Oh, that's so cool. Though. Yeah. So we're just like, where the fuck is this party? She totally set us up. She set us up. And then we get to this clearing and it's like a neighborhood. Now we're in a neighborhood. We're like, where the fuck does this neighborhood come from? And it's a shantytown neighborhood. So... I felt like we were in training day. Remember when he took <laughs> yeah, 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 Ethan yeah, yeah. Hawke's character to that neighborhood? Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, we just have to go meet someone. That's what I felt we were in. And I was like, there was like a dog like trying to jump over the fence. And we're Whoa. like, oh my God, we're going to die. She set us up. So we just keep walking through this fucking shantytown neighborhood. And then all of a sudden we see the party. And it's like a rager. There are... It's called the bunkers because it's old, old um, abandoned bunkers from the war, from the Civil War, the Spanish Civil War. And it was insane. Like tons of people up there. Everybody has drinks. There's guys like selling beer um, and every like and it's an um, incredible view, 360 view of the city of Barcelona. Oh, man. And we're on acid. So we're just like, where the fuck are we right now? And every... Point like you could go to different parts of the bunkers to get a different view, right? Yeah. And everywhere we went was like a different country. They were, they were speaking a different language. They were playing their own music. Like there was one guy in one corner that was like smoking hookah, and like he would blow the the like the embers would go floating out, and I'm just like, we are at the Tower of Babel right now, guys. <laughs> Leslie, if you're listening, we're going to the bunkers. Yeah. Uh, th- honestly, though, like this, like reminds me of 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 my trips. Like that's, I don't know. Like that's that's my happy my happy place right there. Yeah, like, that sounds so awesome. Yeah, and just meeting people and, uh, yeah, it was great. Like the crew we were with was super. Was we thought everything was so funny. We were just cracking up at everything, and. I had a bottle of kava in my bag randomly from our Airbnb host that she gave to us. What is kava? Uh, well, no, it's just like wine or like champagne. Okay. Almost. So we we're just like, we're good, guys. <laughs> we're just <laughs> drinking that. Like, it was such an incredible night, and it was so cool because it was a full moon. So there's no lights up there, but oh, everything was lit. So awesome. Yeah. So definitely do some acid and go up to the bunkers <laughs> and see Barcelona. <laughs> Did people ever like recognize you or like when people ask you what you do, do you like, hey, I'm an MMA fighter? Well, it was really funny because um, my traveling buddy, Nick, yeah, who was with me, he looks like like he could be a fighter. Uh-huh. I mean, yeah, he does. You yeah. know, like he's very fit looking. And so on a all basically all of our tours that we went to that we went on, people asked, they're like Hey, um, like, do you, like, what do you guys do? You know, but I think that it was more for Nick because I was like post fight out of shape. Uh-huh. He's just a freak of nature and just stays fucking beautiful and in shape year round. But I was just like, oh, I'm eating everything. <laughs> like, so a lot of people did ask us 
um, what we did. And then when we told them, they're like, oh, that's really cool. And then there was only one guy who was actually in Portugal. He, sp- he came over and was just like, do you guys fight? But he's not because he recognized us. He just, he just thought we looked like fighters. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does Nick have cauliflower ear? I don't remember. He doesn't really have bad cauliflower ears, but his ears stick out anyway. So it kind of, okay. like <laughs> <it>. yeah. <laughs> that gym in Cuba, that was like a pro MMA gym? No, not really. Okay. But that was a fun, how I came upon them was really funny. Um, I booked a tour in like one of those old classic cars and uh, you do like a photo shoot in them. So I, I did one of those tours and the guy was like, oh, so, you know, since you're the only one today, um, we're going to have to cut the, the tour in half unless you want to pay for the full. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care. And the first thing he said to me when I walked out, like to meet him, he's just like, what sport do you play? And he's like, oh, I'm um, uh, luchadora. Like, that's what I would say. And uh, he was like, I knew it because I do that too. And so oh. he was the one that ended up taking me. He, that was his gym that he went to. Oh, but that's it was cool. incredible because we were just like, what? So we, we ended up hanging out the whole day. Like, we went out to eat afterwards. We went cruising. So, like, it was, like you said, it's like those little connections like that is what makes the trips amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like, my, it, I've said this many times on here, and it sounds like maybe super arrogant, but, like, I can't believe what my life's become. Like, mm-hmm. like it, it, me at, at 15 years old, um, and again, like I'm, I'm talking to someone who's a pro athlete and like your, your star is shining very bright, but like still like at, at, at 15, if I looked at my life, I'd be like, holy shit, like you, you've done some amazing, amazing things. Yeah. Um, I saw you post about, uh, it's very tempting, um, the Jamaica trip. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You're gonna, okay. If you come, you'll have an incredible time. Okay. Let me just give you a little... Have you been there with them before? No, not to Jamaica. So the crew that I'm going with is called Intertribal Youth. And they are the ones that I have my scholarship with. Right. Yeah. So um, I went on a a trip to Panama with them last year and it totally changed my life. Um, And so, yeah, I just was like, I need to go to Jamaica on this one. Our our, uh, director and like... um, the mastermind behind everything. His name is Mark Chavez. He's like my mentor. I love him. And he just has such a cool vibe to him. He's like, yeah, sister, like come to Jamaica. There's no judgment there. Like, yeah, like, like you need medicine, you know? And he's like, like he was talking about weed. Yeah. I don't don't (laughs) smoke weed. (laughs) But he's like, no, like it'll be medicine for you. The people of Jamaica, it's all about, it's all about medicine. So he was explaining to me that a lot of times people, you know, we'll do hallucinogens, they'll smoke weed, but they're missing a really, really important component to that, which is the pr- the spiritual side mm. of it, the prayer. And indigenous people know this, that in order for the medicines to work, you need that prayer side. That's what's going to unlock it. And so that's what he was explaining to me. He's like, yeah, you know, everything in Jamaica, it's all like super spiritual. Even when they smoke weed, it's all like has in- they have intentions for it. So... After that, I was like, all right, I need to set intentions with everything I do. And that that's why, like, even before we dropped acid, I know it's, like, not supernatural, but, like, we we set our intentions with it, like, what we wanted to accomplish. 
that day and everything. So, and the Jamaica trip is also sort of like immersive. Like they're sort of like putting you into the like community yes. events and things like so, that. So, which that's why I want to go with them because I heard honestly that Jamaica is kind of dangerous mm. for tourists if you you know venture outside of the tourist world, um, which is what I like to do. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, well, if I'm with a program who goes every year, he's like part of their family, yeah. you know, then it's going to be safe and I'll still get to experience that side. So come and do it. Yeah. It's, it's really tempting. I was looking at it. I was like, mm. yeah. And especially because you're, you, you were like one of our, our big donors for the scholarship, you know? So yeah, I'd like to, you know, you. obviously I don't work anymore, but I'd like to try to continue to do something. Um, because I think it's a cool one. Yeah. Uh, all right, so I'll wrap in a minute, but immediate future, Prague, then fight, then Jamaica. Oh, yeah, Prague, shit. Yeah, I'm going to Prague. Yeah. Sorry, I think these shrooms are kind of hitting right now, mm. but um, yeah, I'm going to Prague. I'm going to Prague uh, for Liz's fight, and that I'm super excited for. I'm already looking at tours and everything. Yeah. Um, but I also, in the back of my head, I'm like, fuck, I start camp as soon as we get back. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I can't really enjoy it too much. In fact, I don't think I'm going to drink at all. It's just too close to my fight. Well, it'll be 10 weeks out, but still, I, I stop, I cut out alcohol pretty much 12 weeks out. Okay. Um, but yeah, Prague's going to be fucking dope. I'm actually going to get a tattoo out there. Um, I was trying to get a tattoo in Barcelona that night, uh-huh. but apparently... Fucking tattoo shops aren't open on Saturday nights in Spain. So I'm like, why the fuck? <laughs> Maybe it's better because you were on acid. Maybe it would have been something super weird. Yeah. But I am going to get, I wanted to get Babel oh. from that night because I'm like, dude, we are at the Tower of Babel right now. Like we are in modern day Babylonia. Barcelona is Babylon. <laughs> and so it was just like this weird epiphany I had. I'm like, I'm going to get a tattoo. So anyway, since I can't, since we couldn't find any, then I'm like, all right, well, when I go to Europe next, I'm going to get Babel. I love that. That's my jam. Like the, the tattoos in different countries. Yeah, dude. I, I do that normally, but, um, yeah. So I was just like, well, fuck, like Spain would be perfect for, for my Babel tattoo. Hmm. Cause that's where I had the experience. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to count Europe as like an, a whole that counts as a, ta- does that make sense? Like, yeah, yeah, because I feel like, uh, they're all connected. So this Babel tattoo will represent all the European countries I go to. <laughs> so it's going to be like the tower of Babel or like, no, it's just the word Babel. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking about getting across my knuckles. No. I'm, like, I'm a fighter. I can do it. No, 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 no. I know. But now no, that was me on acid. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, see, maybe it's good that they were close, huh? Yeah. I think I'm just going to get it on the inside of my finger. Okay. I've worked with a woman in a school. She was, uh, I usually don't talk about school. So she, um, yeah, whatever. She was like the, you know, like the secretary, mm-hmm. um, and so, like, it's the person you see all the time. And, like, she answers the phone. Like, her middle finger said, fuck you, don't judge me. And it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, this is, what, this is what we're putting out there into oh the world. Would, would, like, would you expect her to have that? Or was she, like, a little old lady that had that? No, no. She, I feel like I need a backstory. No, she, she was, like, just, like, a cool lady. But uh, it was just weird to me to have, like, a secretary I, like, in it, school. Yeah, yeah, like, if I was a kid in a school and I was our secretary, that would be, like, just like Whoa. everyone would be talking about it. Yeah. And for our kids, it was just like, no one cared. Yeah. No shit. Well, times are changing. Yeah. Um, 
All right. I'm not going to ask you about the fight, but what I will tell you... You can ask me anything. Yeah. We're not on a time frame here. Okay. I mean, I feel like your listeners might be, but... (laughs) No, they're probably also on mushrooms, except for my dad. My dad listens to these. Sorry, dad. Um, (laughs) Oh, yeah. My dad will probably listen to this. I've told him I've done hallucinogens before. All right. So then I am going to ask this... uh, I like living vicariously through people doing cool things. Um, so you talked about Valerie and sort of like, um, you know, she's well-known. She's in the UFC. She had a, a bunch of experience. Is it is there more pressure with something like that? Or I, I hope it's fair to say that like you're, you're, uh, you're about to fight a t- tough chick. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like maybe people, because you just, you know, you're a defending champ at this point, you're undefeated, you fought Valerie, like people would probably expect you to win it. Like, is there more pressure with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, so of course I felt pressure for Valerie, but I also didn't feel pressure because I was like, oh, I'm kind of the underdog going into this, you know? Mm. Um, But yeah, for opponents like Vita, who a lot of people don't know who she is, um, and on paper I should beat her, then yeah, I'm like, well, fuck. Like, even if even if I were to win, but she were to have given me like a run for my money, that would still that's still like mm. is what gives me pressure too, because it's like I should fucking kill this girl, mm. but if she yeah if she gives me like a super gnarly fight or like um, you know shows a lot of the holes in my game, then yeah I definitely feel pressure for that. Did you purposely like try to show off boxing against Valerie? No, no, no. I didn't try to purposely do anything in that fight. Okay. Like I go into a lot of my fights with no ego. So what I mean by that is that like I was not trying to stand with Valerie. I wasn't trying to prove, prove to the viewers like, look, I can stand with a striker like Valerie. I'm never like that. Um, That's just how it went. You know, I, I was just looking for my opportunity to take her down. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not one of those fighters that's like, I'm going to outstrike the striker. Um, yeah. I think that's all I got. Okay. Well, you should definitely come to San Jose, April 27th. If you're in there. (laughs) Now it's like, and then come to Jamaica with me (laughs) afterwards. Yeah. Probably Jamaica is like even more likely. Um, like you're going to be on the East coast already. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so I mean, just like, I guess, down. like, <laughs> I assume, th- yeah. yeah, things are, like have just, you know, I didn't even plan to be back in Europe, but things just keep changing. It's crazy. I also like, I was talking about Jim before, like, I told her, um, because now, like, uh, I'm backtracking, like, all those ones that I did remotely when I was in New York, like, we did ours over the phone. Um, now I'm like trying to meet everybody. Nice. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. So, Again, Jen and Doug, I want to meet you. And I told her I would go see her fight too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Hell yeah. Ali Malay, you're the yeah, best. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, This is fun. This is a first actually. Yeah? Yeah, my first time drinking mushroom tea during a podcast. Yeah. And it kind of hitting me. <laughs> if in the morning you regret this, I will cut <laughs> everything but like 10 minutes of this. <laughs> all right, cheers. All right, folks, that is episode number 103 of the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. Many, 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 many thanks to Olimale McFarlane for coming on for the second time. I don't think I've ever had someone on three times, have I? Kev...
Kevin was twice. Jeff was twice. Ah, I think I might have Jeff in a week or so if we can if we can get that together. So he'll be the third. So Alima joins the illustrious crew of Voyagers who have appeared on the TV TV podcast more than once. Uh, yeah. So thank you to you. Hopefully, folks, that conversation either inspired you or entertained you, or maybe now you're probably doing psychedelics or something like that. But to each their own. All right, that is a wrap on 103. Thank you, Voyagers, for tuning in as always. And as always, please take care of each other. Until next time. Sweet Layla, hoo-ha. Sweet Layla, hoo-ha. In the la, shu-la, in the la. Aloha, leo-e, ahu. Katamobile, shukalaka, shukamai. Katamai, skala, go front, come back. And the street cars, dang, dang, dang. And the little jeep, beep, beep, beep. Kuwana, kamakani, eh. Let's go.